This is Robert, everybody. Robert works with Good me. Again, Robert. Hey, Robert. He, Robert's Robert. helping me during this difficult time. Um, anyway, we won't get into that. But something came up while we were discussing being disciples. And are we required to be skeptics are we of our Bible, of the, of the written word? Are we required to dive deep and have some skepticism so we look back at yeah, different yeah, aspects of the Bible to compare and contrast between Old Testament, New Testament, and the things that are written amongst the books of the New Testament for comparison contrast? Is that part of our belief system, like as believers, as, as disciples, or is, are we just supposed to, once we accept the Word and everything with it, and the Holy Spirit and God and Jesus... That's it. It's a done deal. Or are we required to still dive deeper? Um, okay, so you're asking. Go ahead. No, I just yeah, don't a great feel question. that we're required to be skeptics. It's like once I'm in, I'm in. You know what I mean? It's like a done deal. Well, you're you're talking about a bunch of different things there. Right. So when you say the word, where do the where's the word skeptic coming from? Does that be the right word? Yeah. That yeah. was the word we used. Yeah. Are, you, are we required to be skeptics of God's word? To question everything that's in the Bible. And that's, written. that's very uh, very different. Yeah, I think because I want to. I, I just I, I, see, I find some people that say they're believers seem to be more skeptical than believers. And I'm going to leave it at that. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, there's a there's a lot in that. I think with what you're asking. So let me try to. I don't know if I'm going to answer it. Um, when you say the word skeptic, to me that sounds like someone's coming in and trying to say, is God's word real or not? Is it it or okay? That's that's an, that's, that's an that's issue. That's what we're saying. Yeah, that's, that's, I guess that's what an we're issue. Saying. I mean, when we are when we when we put our faith in Christ, that's okay, all. He is the Word, right? Which is, and He is the one who ultimately, through the Spirit, as we know in First Peter. I mean, you know these. Yeah. Uh, First Peter and Second um, Timothy, many other verses I can point to. Is the is the entire Bible we have today, which we call the Old and the New right. Testament, um, or Hebrew Scriptures and the New Testament. All that together forms what we consider and we, what God considers His Word to us. Right. Okay. Um, now, we are, as disciples, which is, I mean, why are we here? Okay. We're here for a single purpose. One, well, we're, we're here to learn more about God. Right. Learn more about Jesus. And be in relationship with Him. The only way we're going to do that is through the Word. Right. And just like if I'm in a relationship with my wife, the way I get to know her is I say, hey, what do you mean by that, honey? And what do you mean by this? And tell me more about you. And how do you feel about this? That... If you take a look, and I'll use my favorite passage, which is Matthew 13 on the Good Soil Parable, there's four soils. And most people who preach on the parable of the Good Soil, it's funny, you listen to people, and they will spend all their time on the, on the first and the second and third soil that doesn't produce fruit. Did you get rot? He got rot. He's, oh, for... <laughs> He's running up the stairs. Hey Jason. Hi. Hey, see you, bro. Well, let yeah, let him. Just, sure. Where's yeah. where's easiest for you, Rod? There you go. 
Doesn't matter. matter. Mm-hmm. You can take the soft chair. Yeah, you can do the soft chair. Yeah. Yeah. It's the this is the cane area. <laughs> anyway, you're asking a super good question. Yeah, I just I just notice certain believers seem to be more skeptical than believers. Well, so let me yeah. So in finishing, so if you look at Matthew um, in the Bookswalk Parable, use this as an example. He talks about four soils. All four soils hear God's word. Okay, and that's we got to remember that all four do. Only one produces fruit. And that's what we're called to do, is to produce that fruit. Well, yeah. he's the one that does that to us. What is the difference between all those four soils? Anybody remember this? Between all, so there's four soils. Three of them do not produce the fruit. Only the good soil produces the fruit. There's only one word that makes a difference between what this fourth soil does that these other three do not that mm-hmm. produce that fruit. One word. Doers. No. Actually, doers is in there, but there's something before doing. Believers. That's okay. Most people. Hearers. Hearers become. They all hear. Faith. Huh? Nope. No. Believers. But it gets right to your question. The answer is understand. Understand. The difference is I can hear what everybody says. Understand. Yeah. But do I, it's like your wife, she can be talking to you, yeah. and you can just be like in one ear and out the other. She wants you to really get what she's saying. She wants you to understand, really get Wouldn't it. understanding be feeling, having that deep understanding, that deep feeling in your heart? Well, it's not just a feeling. Acceptance. It is all, it, it, that's a part of it, but it's also understanding. understanding. Okay. So we are called to understand God's Word. To understand God's Word, we have to study God's Word. Right. Okay. And so that is different, though, than coming in with an attitude of being like going, I don't really believe what it says. And, um, you know, so asking questions is great. Okay. But it's also what's going on with your heart. And you want to do that out of faith, not out of trying to be a skeptic. Um, Would so, yielding be a part of that? Well, it is. In fact, the word yield is part of what the good soil does. But he first understands uh-huh. yielding 160 and 30 times. The word yield is exactly the same Greek word, which I think is poeia or something, that Jesus uses when he says, those don't who don't just hear my word, but do my word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But to do it, you've got to first understand what you're supposed to do. You've got to understand it first, and then you do it. And then God produces fruit through you. Okay, so understanding, really getting it. That's why we do what but we do. But it's all, in, it's a holistic understanding. It's mind, yes. body, soul. It's not just and spirit. That's yeah, right. It's spirit. not just in It's yeah. a relational, full understanding. So these, these academic types that are just intellectuals, you can't pretend to be intellectuals. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. The word, the word in scripture, we you say over and over again. You hear this over and over is in your book yeah, no 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 do I know God do I know Jesus the word no is yada in Hebrew no is the exact same word when it says Adam and Eve has sexual intercourse to produce Cain and right. Abel right. the word for sexual intercourse is yada which is no. no so knowing is a deep intimate 
understanding of another person or of God. So we're called into that intimate relationship with God. Awesome. That's why when it first gets spoken of understanding with your heart, right. it doesn't say understand with your mind. No, that's that's what yeah. I was saying to him. It's right. like, for me, yeah. it's here. You know? But it, but, it, but it's that it's but it's also it's it, it is intellect, but not from your mind, from your right. heart. That can only be derived through love. Right. 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 Yeah, and you don't have to know. If I'm going to say, you don't have to know every line of the Bible. You don't have to know everything. Yes, you do. To understand. <laughs> no, let me finish. And then I'll, I'll say how far I am. No, I'm just um, You don't have to understand every line of the Bible if you're in with God's commandments. And if you look at Romans 13, 10, is it? I love that because he talks about abiding by the commandments through love. And it doesn't take a lot to understand that love kind of conquers all. I, I, I've always liked that saying, but I like it better now in Romans 13.10. So, great question. So, how do we help those that seem to be caught up in that intellect and help them kind of have it washed down into their body and soul and heart? Yeah, and that is constantly, I mean, I, I mean, that's always been a little bit of an issue with the Christian faith is you end up, it becomes very intellectual. Yeah. And it's not just, it's not through your heart as he's talking about, which is really what the spiritual role is. Right. The Holy Spirit's role is to bring that knowledge and make it into a right. relational knowing. Um, so some of it is just trying to get people to say, do you have an intellectual, is it just you, like, do you just know a bunch? You can throw off a bunch of verses. Or do you really have this deep relational knowing of Christ? If I may. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> um, I have a friend who lives in the Dominican Republic. Uh-huh. And he goes, he just graduated high school, but a year ago he was in high school. And I had given him the gospel. He became a full-on believer. And he wanted to share the good news with all of his friends in high school. And he came to me one day, and he's, or he talked to me one day, and he's like, hey, I keep trying to t- tell these people about the gospel, and they just brush me off, they just brush me off, and they don't want to listen. And I said, well, go ahead and tell me what you tell them. And he's like, going through his routine, I go, dude, I know your problem. You're trying to sell the gospel, mm-hmm. you're not sharing the gospel. The idea is that if, if Jesus calls us fishers of men in John, mm-hmm. we're the messengers. It's not our work, it's God's work, and all we're doing is just sharing that news. It's up to God and whoever to make that relationship. You just share the gospel. And and the thing is, you know, I had a friend too, because we would go out soul winning all the time, and you'd have people in there, and they listen, but they don't, they don't get it right away, and my friend's frustrated, he's like, I just feel like nothing's working, and it's... I said, dude, calm down. Let the Holy Spirit do the work. Because who knows, in five months, you know, just because you planted that seed, you shared the good news. Five months, something might be, you know, God works in mysterious ways. Something may happen, but finally they listen. And so with skeptical people that are all up in their head, that's okay. If they're listening to the message and they're coming back over and over and over, that's great news, because right. they're trying. You let them come and listen, and then let the Holy Spirit do the rest. And that's what I would say. 
Don't sell the gospel, share the gospel. Yeah, I, and you know, Tom was here. I would say what Tom, what Tom says all, which is a, one of my favorite verses in Romans 10. Right? How do we, how do people come to faith by hearing the word of God? You just it's not hearing Greg; it's hearing the word of God through Greg. Yeah. Right? And it's the spirit and the word that work together to bring us to that faith. So. And as long as they're in the in the body of Christ, with men of Christ, and they're in the right place, eventually they'll feel it, even if they keep I mean, hearing that's it. Surprising. That's amazing yeah. in and of itself, because you have guys that just don't care. Like, they just straight up just reject it. The fact that someone can come and just keep coming back means there's something knocking at that door. Absolutely. I want, like, I want to see it. Yeah, absolutely. And, it, and he will. Yeah. Or she, that she will, or whoever will. It still is really attractive, though, when somebody really knows the Bible well. I mean, and you know what we're talking about, guys like Jason. It's really attractive for but me. But the interesting really, thing is sometimes you guys, like, think about just, it's, it's not just about all of you know, and we all know in different ways, and we all get together, and that's what we're doing is we're all sharing together. There are things you say, Ken. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, can, I will never forget still the impact you've had on this group in sharing when you were just sharing the good news with the guy up at the top of the mountain. Yeah. Okay, I mean, it's that simple. Like, that's mm-hmm. a childish part of it. It's just sharing mm-hmm. who we are with others and sharing the good news. Yeah, and sharing, so. sharing a weakness or a struggle or whatever that all of a sudden it gets something. Oh, that's the application, right? And, and, and just, right. this is Bible study in action, right? Right. Taking that. That pain on and sharing it. Yeah. I heard a pastor yeah. once say, "No, you figure out your testimony, know it, practice your testimony, and then share it, because that's sharing the good news. That's sharing how you got saved. That's not selling it. Right. That's sharing it. Right. And let the Holy Spirit work from that story, mm-hmm. because you're not pointing, putting it off onto that one person. You're saying, hey, this is what happened to me.'" And you can glean from this what you like, or you can accept it. And we can lead you in a prayer, you know, if you'd like, or not. And and therefore, it takes the frustration, it takes the the angst, it takes the the stress away from trying to convert or trying to get this person to accept Jesus, you know, because you're just sharing from what happened to you. And they'll see that this is this is genuine, this is real. This guy really loves God. He really believes in God. He knows that Jesus is Lord and Savior, and they want a piece of that. They see the, the shine in your eyes and the smile on your face, and they see how happy you are and how, you know, your life is working, you know, and people want that. They see that. Right. And I would say what I always encourage people to do is, you and I were just talking about, you want to bring people into a direct relationship with Christ. Right. Not a relationship through you. Right. If they're just hearing about God through me, it's secondhand. Okay. You want them to be, that's why I say, have people open up the Word, open up the Bible themselves. Have them read the Bible for themselves. Um, we saw that with the Samaritan woman. What that happened with the Samaritan woman? It's like, she started telling me about Jesus, but then the disciples come along and say, you know what? We want to know him ourselves, not just through you. Right. So anytime you can, you just like, get people to say, here, read the, read the Word, gotcha. you know? And have them read it. Have them see Jesus is saying this to me, not just, you know, Eric saying it. That's great advice. It's the same type of thing. If I, right now I can tell you guys everything about my wife. You can have a lot of knowledge about my wife. 
but if you don't meet her personally, there's no relationship. So, yeah. Anyway, good, good Skype, yeah. Thank you, Greg. I'm picking yeah. up on what you said about your own testimony. I think the way you conduct your life and the person that you are and the way you interact with people, people will see a difference in you. And that's exactly. what attracts them to begin with is, exactly. is why, why there's something about you that's different and I want what you have. Mm-hmm. So it's our own conduct and how we live that out speaks more volumes than the intellectual delivering of the word. And that's what James 2 says. Yeah. <clears throat> so, for me, yeah. it's vulnerability. Mm. I, I, and that's Absolutely. Yeah. And that's something that a lot of men don't know how to deal with. Okay. A lot of men just exactly. clam up, they don't want to say anything. I was in a prayer group, and I shouldn't say prayer group, it was a, it was a men's study. This was over at Saddleback Church. And there was five of us sitting at the table. I'm still friends with all, with four of the five that were at that table. And, we were required to pray out. Two of us did the praying out. And when we you say pray out, what do you mean? Pray out. I mean, at the end Just of like, the at the end of the study, we pray at the table. Oh, gotcha. You okay. know, so right. we pray out. Gotcha. Oh, and okay. So within about two months' time, all of a sudden, another guy said, "You know, he didn't he didn't do the pass to the next guy." All of a sudden, it's just like, all of a sudden, he started saying something. A couple months later, someone else started saying something. So, it's the vulnerability that was shown at the table that brought that wall down for people to say, okay, it's safe over here. And then they start sharing their life a lot more. And once you start doing that sharing, like you were talking, is that that's when you really start diving in and, and really feeling God at work, mm-hmm. you know, there at the table, and uh, I, I, that's and like you said, Eric, it's it's our testimony. Our testimony is not always from our lips. Mm-hmm. It's in what how we act, what we what we what we don't say sometimes, <laughs> more so than we what we do say. So I, I mean, I, I look at myself every day as as a, a as a living testimony. In my prayer in the morning is like, God help. Help me get it right today, you know, and hopefully I do. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's vulnerable. Transparency is, is one one absolute way of, of of seeing whether a pastor is really right. In, well, just all of us, right? In, just, for yeah. all of us, if, yeah. if we're, and um, one of the things I've learned over the last few months is that in the little book Jesus Calling, every day is about soak in the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Live in my presence. You think you're wasting your time? You're not. Live in my presence. Soak me in. Right. And uh, I have found the Holy Spirit moving. I've, I've, I've found the Holy Spirit living in me. And I talk like it's... Uh, hey, buddy, how are you doing? Well, it's not that, because you have to be really humble, but um, soaking in Christ right. without any motivations right. is, is and, and being transparent about it. Right. I, I think what you said is very important. Mm-hmm. All right. Good. Can I just take one more minute? Sure. <laughs> no. Um, 
<laughs> no, go, I'm sorry. So we had a kitchen to install it from coast to base, and I figured it was going to take a couple weeks. And because of my arm, I hired a buddy from high school who's my same age, and we went to high school at El Toro, you know, 40 some odd years ago. And Robert's been helping us. And Robert and I drive together and we meet Mike up at the job up in Huntington. It's like Coast Mesa Huntington is on the board. Anyway, Robert and I, what was that, last Thursday or Friday? We, yeah. we said a prayer. We just said, Lord, just be with us today. Just help us focus, get a lot done. And, you know, I figured this job's going to take all three of us at least 60 hours. What was it? Three hours in, four hours in, we had done three days worth of work. <laughs> we prayed the second day. What happened? So Daniel prayed without me. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> oh, because you, because I, I was before you got to the shop. Yes. Okay. And so the second day rolls around and it's a lot slower than the first one. Not as productive, Not but as still productive. very productive. We did work, but it could have been better. And then today, the third day, which was today, yeah. we both pray together on the way up, on the way up, like we did the first day. And we were expecting to be at the job site for eight hours. We left in six. Hmm. So but we were pretty much done in we four. Were, we were pretty much done in four. And we were yeah, just doing... we just wasted two hours because I felt bad for having Mike show up and only go. Well, it's a half a day, dude, so you know? fast, you know. Just and like... it was all Holy Spirit. I'm looking at the clock. I'm like. Two hours. He goes, I thought it was like one o'clock. It's only ten o'clock. He goes, Hey, Robert, what time is it? It's like four, right? And I look down, and I go, Oh, it's one twenty. He goes, What? We're almost done. I'm like, Well, let's yeah. just keep going. So the moral of the story is pray together, compounds. Yeah. yeah. And and it it was just amazing. I mean, it was like so obvious. The Holy Spirit's like, We got you. And I'm gonna prove to you. That your prayers work. <laughs> I'm going to pray, prayer to pray, prove to you that if you ask, you receive, right? And it was just, it was so obvious. This it was incredibly obvious. This it was like no denying. This whole, what has it been almost three weeks now has been God's orchestra at work because um, in the in the canyon, I had worked at an auto shop. And Daniel and I have been friends for about a year. We just talk over the river and we're friends. But he had asked me about a month ago. He's like, hey, you know, if you ever want to work on cabinetry, come on over. I'll get you a job. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'll work. And we exchange numbers. And and a couple weeks go by. And he's like, oh, my arm hurts. And so I, we came down. And, and I firmly believe that God had set that up in advance, knowing what would happen to Daniel's arm, knowing he would need the extra help. And it just all worked out, and just according to his will, perfectly. And knowing how hard it is for me to reach out and ask for help. Right. Because <laughs> it was a Sunday, and God just kept telling me all weekend, call Robert, call Robert, you can't do this, you cannot do this, you're going to ruin your arm, you're going to ruin your ulnar nerve, call Robert. And it was like, late in the afternoon on Sunday, I go, hey Robert, you want to help me out tomorrow? He's like, sure, I'll be there. Boom. Done. Just like that. Two words, three words, boom, boom, boom. And it's just been like this amazing progression ever since, yeah. yeah awesome. Anyway, okay. thanks you guys. Well, ask me, you shall receive. That's our passage today, so. Beautiful. Really? <laughs> I love it. Is it really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really? <laughs> it really is. So, 
Um, <laughs> speaking of the word, speaking of understanding the word, <laughs> so John 16, and does everyone have, does anybody need, everyone got passage, do you, do you want one of these? Oh, it went right to it, how is that possible? Awesome? How you doing, Rod? Oh, I'm doing okay. Alright, well I'm glad you're here. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for picking my Jason. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Alright, so uh, John so 16. Feels like it's been a long time since we've been John, so we'll get back into that. Um, Alright, we are going to look at tonight, page 98, if you're in this, which is John 16, 16 through 24. Um, and again, just as a reminder, we're in the... Upper room discourse, and as you and as you read this, keep in mind again the context. This is when all the guys, okay, and probably there are women there too in the upper room. They're all there. This is Jesus's last night before he's going to go to the cross. So it's like probably Thursday night, and they're all in this room. And Jesus, everything we're learning from chapter in 14 through 16, and then 17, which is going to be Jesus's prayer, which we're almost there. So everything in here is what Jesus is telling all of his disciples on Thursday, probably like night, before, so in 24 hours he's going to be crucified probably. Give you a little context. But it also speaks about what he's saying here too. Alright, so this is just, you know, look at it again. These are his final instructions, his final talk, his final time with these guys all together before he goes to the cross. Alright, so... Keep that as context as we read. So who wants to read um, ESV? So whoever's reading, make sure you run, you're either reading out of this or somewhere just we can all follow. I'd like to read. Okay, do you have the ESV? Yes. Okay, so 16, 6, 6, da, 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 da. 16, 16 to 1624. Okay. All right. A little file, and you will see me no longer. And again, a little while, and you will see me. So some of his disciples said to one another, What is that he says to us? A little while, and you will not see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me. And because I am going to my Father. So they were saying, What does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he is talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him. So he said to them, Is this what you are asking yourselves? What I meant by saying, A little while, and you will not see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me. Truly, truly, I say to you, You will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. When she has delivered a baby, you should be reading this. Keep going. Okay. She no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice. And no one will take your joy from you. In that day, you will ask nothing of Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of my of the Father in my name, 
he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. Amen. 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 So what do you guys, uh, if you guys want to turn the light on over there, it's getting dark. I didn't turn the lights on by you. I just so. want to clarify one thing. Yeah. I didn't ask for these jobs to go quickly. <laughs> I just asked for the Holy Spirit to be a part of them and everybody to be safe and then we go smoothly. Yeah. He, he added the quickness part. Pull that down hard. No, down. Yeah, pull it hard. Pull it down hard. There you go. That one's a little, I fixed it once and yeah, it's kind of. it keeps doing that. All right, so... Just anything that hits you guys as you're hearing that. What's, um... Well, as I was reading it, I was thinking about uh, what I had said to earlier to two or three of yours here for you, that I had asked with fervency in Christ's name, and something was taken from me, and it never, it, it doesn't even exist in me anymore. Mm-hmm. And it, it was absolutely, one night it was there, the next morning I, and it's been months, I prayed and it was gone and it's gone. So when we ask, we got to be ready. I mean, I, I was, so, I was shocked. I'm shocked. Yeah. All right. What other things you guys see in here? In my name. Okay. In my name. As we end our prayers, you know, in Jesus' name. A lot of churches don't end their prayers. Like that. Okay. You know. I have a little conflict with this. Because the Lord's prayer says. Thy will be done. Mm-hmm. So, when we ask for something, if it's not in His will, ask this question. Will it, will it be done? And so, uh-huh. the way I look at it is going back to what Glenn was saying that it requires our humility to subrogate ourselves to His will. 100%. Our humility and our obedience. Mm-hmm. If we're not doing, if we're in sin and we're not obeying Him, and at the same time we're trying to ask Him something, it's not going to work. Well, it's a lot you of know? times also you might be in a situation that you can't figure out, you can't control. Yeah. You know it's out of your will, out of your power. Yeah. And it's like, Lord, I will be done. You know, whatever it is, you know He has our best interests in mind. Mm-hmm. And He has everybody's best interests in mind. So why not hand it over to Him? Because otherwise we're just getting in his way. He can't do his job. It's, right. the, it's the knowledge that he already knows. Exactly. Yes. That, that we trust. don't. And yeah. we can't. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's the trust. Someone had told me um, recently, they're like, when you go on an airplane, you trust the pilot to do his job. When you drive a bus, you trust the bus driver. And you don't go up into the pilot no, and say, right. what are you doing right now? <laughs> but like you're on a train you. and you go into the, you say to the conductor, are you sure you, you know, you're not, no, you trust him, right? So why wouldn't you trust God to have your best interest at heart? You know, and there's a war going on, so there's, there's times of hardship, there's times of joy, it's like in Ecclesiastes, to, is there, you know, to everything there is a season. But it's always to teach you something or to help you get closer to him in some way. So <laughs> bottom line is, if you trust all these professionals flying your planes, driving your trains, all that stuff, why wouldn't you trust God? The person that created you, to, the being that created you. To, yeah, to influence your life in a good way if you allow it. Now, if I go up into, and I cause an issue with the pilots, you know, that might be... 
a little bit of conflict there, right? <laughs> right. So if I'm actively trying to do everything I can to go against his will, then yeah, that's what it says in Hebrews, you know, the Lord will chasten it who we love it, you know, so if I actively go against his will, there will be the rod, right? But if I allow him to do his will, and I trust in him, like I trust a parachute, or trust a train conductor, or a pilot. Just a pilot, by the way, you want to try it. The caveat to that is there are bold pilots, and there are old pilots. But then there's no, no bold, bold, bold pilots. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, thankfully, God is eternal. So he's not old. Exactly. He's been sitting on that one for a while. He's just been waiting for that one. Yeah. Yeah. Not only just like scored up for a while. Yeah, oh, he's just been waiting. <laughs> Patiently. Yeah, go ahead, Dave. Go ahead, Dave. We fly around the country quite a bit, and this particular day, we're flying an MBA. And one of the guys I was working with was an hydraulic engineer that had worked on production. He walked up to the plane, and I guess when the door was open, there was a serial number. Uh-huh. He went up and checked the serial number. And I said, what are you doing? He said, oh, this is the serial number. Don't want to fly. I said, is this a good one? He said, yeah. So we got on the plane. <laughs> That's kind of scary. Huh. Wow. Yeah. To have that innate knowledge. <laughs> scary. knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> How about others? Anything else in this whole patio, yeah, David? I need a little back, background. Um, Jesus knew that his future, where, where it was going. He knew he was going crusades. How did he know that? What, what did, I know the, um, the one guy left and went and told the authorities. Hey, Pontius? Judas. Yeah, Judas. 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 But how did, how did he know that in a little while, like within 24 hours, that they're going to arrest him and he's going to be taken in? Because he's God and human. Yeah, so, the, he, so the okay. thing, this is a, this is a mystery, yeah. but it's pretty odd. In fact, in this passage, you can see it's sort of playing itself out that mm-hmm. Jesus is both fully, I mean, the, the thing is, Jesus Clear is something on. different than everybody else, right? He's both fully human and fully God. But all of it is together and inseparable. And you see in Philippians 2, he talks about how he freely, in humility, gave up his godliness. I mean, he could have at any point done all this stuff. Like he says, I could call down legions of angels right now to stop me from being arrested. All right? But he knew what his role was that he had to go to the cross. He also so, presented a defense to um, Pilate. Right. But, he, he but he knew he had a goal. He had a plan. God had, in him, had from <laughs> the eternity past had known what this was. And you, you see this being played out here because notice what happens. In fact, if you guys look, look at verse 16. That was a good question. Listen to, see if you can figure out what he's talking about here. So in verse 16, Jesus says, so it goes back to this sort of foreknowledge. He knows what's going to happen. So he says, a little while, and you will see me no longer. And again, a little while, and you will see me. His resurrection. Okay. So what are those little whiles there? What's the first the little while? First is three, three days. hours, the next is three days. Yeah, so, okay, so, but let's, let's walk through. Okay, so look at it right there. A little while. What's the first little while referring to? 24 hours. Crucifixion. Right. Very good. 
Very good. Good, you guys. Good to just, okay? So in a little while, you will see me no longer. Again, put yourself in the place of the disciples at this point. They're like, what the frick are you talking about? Okay? Like, where are you going? <laughs> okay? Are you taking an Uber? I mean, what are you doing, right? Where are you going? All right? A little while, and you will see me no longer. He's going to the cross. He's going to die. Right? First little while. And again, a little while, and you will see me. Which is? The resurrection. Very good. The resurrection. Okay, so you see how he writes just this one sentence? He knows where he's going. This is before he's been arrested. This is before he has a conversation with Pilate. This is before the Jews say, hang, you know, put him on the cross. He knows exactly what's going to happen. And here you see that playing out right here. Um, I think the second part walked. is more important than the first part. The what? <laughs> the second part's more important. No, than it's the, not. No, the, yeah. the fact that people saw him after they saw him oh, killed. Right. That was the home run that set everything and gave the belief a foundation. But wasn't it the belief for the disciples when, because um, you guys can correct me on this, but didn't already Simon or I mean, Simon Peter already see him walk on water and? Well, they've seen a lot of things. Well, they've seen miracles, but that was the big one, wasn't it? I mean, when you've seen him walk on water and then... Transfiguration was even bigger. And then at that point, the whole thing was like, you know, forget about us helping, you know, forget about everything, just have faith. And I just thought, because I remember Tom saying one time in here that the disciples didn't have a lot of faith. They they didn't know, you know, they see this guy coming up and they're just like, Okay, I'm going to jump in. I'm going to be a student, you know. Mm-hmm. But they weren't sure. But they weren't really sure. And then when they saw him, like, to do miracles and then the bread, and then all of a sudden they see him walk on water. At this point, when he's saying this in 1616, was their faith strong right there? Well, no. listen to them. No? <laughs> yeah, no. right. Or did it still no. take the well, resurrection? No so you're asking a great, great question. Yeah. So let's just read up because you can find that out. <laughs> right. So watch what happens. So some of his disciples said to one another, there you go, okay? What are they doing? (laughs) That's why I was asking the question. What is this? He says to us a little while, and you will not see me, and again a little while, you will see me again. And because I'm going to the Father, it's like, what the heck are you even talking about? They have no clue, and they really don't. And we can't, we would not have any clue. And these are the guys that saw the miracles. Very good, yeah. Were any of the... Them there when he uh, raised Lazarus from the dead? Yes, yeah, they were. They were all there okay. when he raised Lazarus from the dead. That's right. Yeah. You, you would think that the disciples would have been told what the crucifixion was all about and why he was going to raise. But they, they weren't. He says right before this, I have, I have much more to tell you, but you won't, you can't bear it right now. Right, very good. Yeah. So, so what's happening right here, everything, everything, like this quandary of like, wait a minute, with putting ourselves in their position, what, what he's doing in all of 16 is, is transitioning these guys from an Old Testament mentality of the Father. Yahweh, God, singularity. He He's bringing all the stuff from the prophets into reality. And they it's really hard for them to understand, understandably, right? But he's, he's making that shift. 
Up until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. And the reason they haven't asked for anything in his name is because they don't get that he's God. They don't get it, yeah. Right? And that's why he's saying everything that is the Father's is mine. Okay? He's, he's, He's hammering them with this reality right now. And when, when you ask for things in my name, the Father will grant it because he and I are one. So he's been saying this the whole time through John, and now he's just really bringing it home. And he, he's also making it clear to them, in that day, this is the part that, that sticks out to me, um, in that day you will ask nothing of me. Okay? So, in the day that their hearts will rejoice, when they see him again. Because they, they still won't get it, but they'll understand who he is. Because all that will just come flooding into them. And at that point, he's like, he's precursing, he's prophesying what's going to really, really occur. So, when did, when did they realize that curse, the curse They, well, they, you would say they didn't really realize until until after, for sure, after the resurrection. Okay. And Thomas, um, Thomas didn't and even, understand until Jesus had him come sticking his fingers in his hands and his side. So realize, too, we've been talking about, so, this is, again, they don't really necessarily understand fully what's happening. You see that right here. They're all going to run away, okay, when the cross happens. Think about, too, if, let's just assume for a minute, let's assume that the disciples did somehow know, what would they do? They would try to stop Jesus, mm-hmm. which they do in some other places. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. They would try to stop Jesus from doing what he's supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. So they don't they don't get it. Okay. That's it is, it they, is after they would sacrifice the, themselves and everything else. It is after the resurrection, but it's even past that, because if you remember in, in John 14 that we were reading, it talks about the role of the Spirit. I would almost say it's really until the Spirit comes upon them, Mm-hmm. that they start really fully more understanding because one of the roles of the Spirit is to make sense of the words that Jesus has said. So, so they figure out the, the crucifixion really that he's dying to forgive us of our sins. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so a lot of that is still, they're still trying to figure out at this point in time. Yeah, Eric. But it transitions is, I will send you a helper. Right. So. And the helper is to help you understand all these things that have happened right. and what I've said to you during all this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you, know, think, you think about why did John wait so long to write this book? That's true. He may have just really thoroughly understood all this stuff and wasn't ready to write the book until he really did. Maybe 50 years or whatever later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where else? Okay. okay. He took, what, 60 years? He probably writing all the notes and then and you know this is when Paul also met Jesus and Paul has a whole lot of revelation about who Jesus is and meeting him and stuff so there's a lot going on Caleb you were asking oh, I kind of lost it it's all good if it comes back if it comes back let me know oh, no, like, oh actually it was 80s hold on yeah hold on for so the disciples didn't know why he was getting crucified the disciples did not know why he was getting crucified oh. no they they at this point in time, one thing, so this is where people talk about the cross being the, the most, what's the word Paul uses? It's the scandal. Yes. All right? Yes. Because if you think about it, no 
person who claims to be king and Messiah and is here to save the Jews is going to be one who dies on the cross. A cross was the most humiliating way for the Romans at that time to die. It's basically saying, you're nothing anymore, okay? So the scandal of Christianity is that God dies on a cross. Yeah. It completely threw Satan off, it threw Pilate off, it threw the disciples off, it threw all of humanity off going, what is this? You know, it just made no sense. Uh, but how did it throw Satan off? Because It threw Satan off because he had no idea that Jesus was going to die on a cross, which ultimately was his defeat. Satan had no idea, no idea that Jesus was going to go to the cross. Because Jesus became the sin eater. Yeah. For the whole world, because the mean, plan the plan was for because Satan couldn't defeat God, so he wanted to defeat his most beloved creation by corrupting us. Yeah, and yeah. Jesus effectively undid that. And right. Satan can only attack us through our sin. Yeah, right. And own us through our sin. Yeah, Satan had no clue. What was any any uh, words on the translation a little while? Well, in what way? I mean, how was that translated? In, from Greek to this. Well, and I have something, when I was reading about that actually today, it really means a little while. It's really simple. Okay. <laughs> it actually is a phrase. Is a phrase in Greek that means a period of time. So that's all that really Jesus is going to say. In this period of time, this is going to happen. And then after this period of time, this is going to happen. So it's a phrase usually around some type of prophecy Okay, that's given. Some type of like prediction as to what's going to happen, um, but it pretty much means exactly what it says there. Uh, uh, going with Jason said to think in terms of a transition. This basically undermined the law, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It just took the wind out of their sails. Oh sure. And that—that's the transition. Is is that who's who's going to get to be in charge here, you know, the Jews and the law, or is it going to be the Holy Spirit? Right, and here we have actually what you, what's happening on the cross. Among everything else, is you have the covenant changes yes. from the old covenant to the new covenant. Right. So not from the law written anymore, but now it's written here. Yeah. Yeah. Was he arrested in the room, or actually he left? No, he left. So at this he point, he himself? leaves. He leaves, he takes no, his disciples, he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. With the right. disciples. With the disciples. All right. And, and the disciples being super faithful, fall asleep as he's praying. <laughs> yes, yeah. Okay. So he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. This is when he finally says that phrase where he says, um, Father, you know, take this cup. This cup is not for me. Take it from me. This is when his, most people will say, this is when Jesus and all of his humanity made the decision, I'm going to I'm going to the cross. Doesn't he to sweat blood for at that time? Hmm? Doesn't he sweat blood? Yes, well, time? I don't know. Yeah. I think I'm not well, sure it if it says that. I think it does, yeah. yeah. I think it does. So it's in the Garden of Gethsemane that that happens. And as soon as he makes that prayer and says that to the Father, basically says, yes, I'm in essence, I'm all in, then you all of a sudden you see the arrest happen. Okay. How did they know where he was? Because, because Judas. Judas, 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 Judas,
So, um, yeah, Ken. Well, um, in this chapter, they talk about sorrow. And so, in Matthew 5, 4, it says, Blessed the mourn. mourn. So when they're when he's talking about sorrow and then rejoicing and joy and then example of the pregnant woman, is he talking about mourning for him or our own discomfort, our own here he's speaking to him. So when he says blessed are the mourn in Matthew 5 4, he's talking about Jesus? Well, no. So you've got my two different, different completely okay. different things. Yeah. So the Beatitudes is Jesus in the, doing the Sermon on the Mount. The Beatitude is the Beatitude is them saying, Blessed are those who mourn, they will be comforted. He's giving all these blessings in his sermon. Right. That's for us, in essence. Okay? That's mm-hmm. not specifically him at that point. Okay. But in John, he is. But here, yeah, so let's read on, because notice what happens is it says, so verse, he says, and you will see me because I'm going to the Father. So they were saying, what does it mean by a little while? <laughs> they were asking David's question. <laughs> there you go, David. Okay, so <clears throat> um, what does he mean by a little while? They're like, what do you mean, Jesus? What are you doing? We do not know what he's talking about. Now, it's interesting here, because you see Jesus' ability from a, as being God, because notice what happens, Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him. Jesus can read their minds, alright? So he can read their minds as to what's going on at this point, alright? So Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him, so he said to them, is this what you are asking yourselves? What I meant was, sorry, Jesus knew that they want to ask him. So he said to them, is this what you are asking yourselves? What I meant by saying a little while and you would not see me and again a little while you will see me? So he basically is repeated again. Shh, you guys are shh. He's whispering. You're going to have to be separated. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So then, verse 20, truly, truly, I say to you, and this goes to your what you're asking, Ken, truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament but the world will rejoice. Okay, what, what, what's going on there? Well, he said we're all, you know, that the world would be happy when he leaves. Yeah. So here you have the disciples are going to weep. Like, oh my gosh, he's being crucified. The world, which here can mean, can probably include Satan, can include the whole world systems, everything, the whole controlling thing other than God is going, yeah, we got rid of that guy. Um, so the world will rejoice you will be sorrowful he said this to the disciples but your sorrow will turn into joy and we all we all know when that joy happens when the women get to see Jesus resurrected from the dead the men are where they're locked in a room afraid of being arrested that's where the disciples are okay (laughs) all the guys are locked in a room and they literally were locked in a room because they're afraid they're going to get arrested. And so the women see Jesus, get to see Jesus, and they're, and Jesus says to them in a resurrected state, go and tell the men <laughs> that I'm here, that I've been resurrected. But All they right? didn't go immediately. 
Right, right. And so finally, when Jesus then appears to the disciples in that room, other than Thomas, they're starting to go, oh my gosh, he's alive! And that sorrow turns to joy. Alright, I mean, it's like my daughter. Love my daughter. I mean, it's funny, it's sort of funny that this passage right now is on labor because I just, the first time became a grandfather a couple of days ago. Congratulations. Oh, Thank congrats. you. And watching my daughter go through, <laughs> you know, she's not that big, and she just had a nine-pound baby, oh, wow. and she did it all naturally. Wow. Without anything. That was what her goal was, and her husband was telling me she was just focused, you know, and she was in labor, and I mean, did that hurt? <laughs> you yes. bet it hurt. And was she, I mean, for hours, she's in this labor struggling, doing exactly what it's talking about here. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hours come. You got, and that word sorrow here means both sorrow, but it also means pain. Okay, you're in a lot of pain. Um, because her hours come, but when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being is born into the world. So you can just see, you know, all of a sudden, there's my joy, her joy. <laughs> but it's your joy, too. And that's my what, joy, yeah. Exactly, right? And exactly. The, and that's what I'm trying to ask. What, one of the things I was trying to understand in that passage, is this only joy for the disciples, or is it joy for the world, like you said? Eventually. It's, right, eventually. It's okay. joy for the disciples right then. Because mm. joy and rejoice kind of seem like two different Once words. Once the word spreads, yeah. it'll be joy for the yeah. world. Now, this is, this right now, he's speaking specifically to the disciples, so that they will then be joyful because they will see that he has not died. He, he, he's resurrected. He died, but he's resurrected. So, so that's is. joy for them. Now, that, what we see later on, that joy is going to become our joy. When we become believers, what, what happens when someone first comes to Christ? It's like, <laughs> they're going to tell everybody, right? Joy, joy. All right. Their joy was based on he was alive. Not, That's right. Not that it was forgiveness of sin. Well, um, that was that. Say exactly that. what I was trying to say to you. That's yeah. exactly I, what I'm trying yeah. to speak. That's why I read the last one. Yeah, I would probably say... You know, I mean, right now in that instance, he's talking about two of the disciples. In that instance, for them, the joy is, oh my gosh, yes, he's alive. Yeah. Do they fully get all the theology behind that? No. They're still trying That's to. That's why he says, in that okay. day, you will not ask anything of me because they don't get it yet that he died for their sins. Remind me when? How they get it? How when? When did, when did they actually understand what the resurrection and the. I don't know. You said a while ago something about the... Uh, I, I would... I, well, this, in John 14, we've seen how Jesus says, I'm sending the Spirit to you, and he's talking about to us, but also to the disciples. And one of the reasons that Spirit's coming is so you can fully understand everything I've been telling you. So I think it was a progression over time that they all more and more got it. Because you see, and here's where you see the evidence of that. All of a sudden, you switch to Jesus was resurrected, right? Forty days later, what happens? Pentecost. Well, yeah, but before Pentecost happens, he... The ascension. Oh, the ascension. 
He goes up to the Father, and then the Spirit comes down. Forty days after the resurrection. Yeah, after the resurrection. So 40 days after the resurrection, so just time-wise, and some of you have said it, during that time, they say, Paul says 500, which is men. There's probably at least a thousand people who saw the resurrected Jesus. Okay, saw him alive again. During all that time, so Acts, the book of Acts starts out with Jesus just about ready to go up to the Father. So it's 40 days later. Then the Spirit comes that he predicted in John 14 through 16. And you see Peter. So here's it's a good question. At that point, if you read the first couple of chapters of Acts, what ends up happening? Peter now fully gets who Jesus is. All of a sudden you can see Peter knows who he is because what does Peter do? He's out there preaching Jesus. Mm-hmm. This is the one who died. Okay, this is the one who rose again. He is the one who's been predicted by David, etc., etc. So Peter fully now knows who Jesus is. Right. So I don't think it took too long for them to fully really get that. And during the 40 days that, during those 40 days, Jesus was teaching the disciples about the kingdom of God. Yes. yes. You know, there's so yep. much, I mean, imagine 40 days of being with Jesus. I mean, how much you can learn. And now you've got the Holy Spirit as well. Especially <laughs> you know, And then, yeah. like, he, like he was, you know, like uh, Greg was saying, during these days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The yeah. number of people who were together were about 120. And this is what he said. Brothers, the scriptures had to be fulfilled that the Holy Spirit, through the mouth of David, spoke in advance about Judas and who and who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. And he goes on and on. So, you know, Peter, gets Peter it. got it. He's on fire now. Right. He's in front of these people saying, show me the next synagogue, man. I need to talk. And this, at this point, if you read Peter's sermon... He fully understands at this point that Jesus came and died on the cross for our sins. How would you not get it? I mean, you're sitting with God that's been crucified. Right. And three days, four days later, whenever it was, you right. see him teaching it. Right. So how do you not get that? Well, right. Well, they were called. They were chosen. Right. They were well, going to get it. Well, was. I mean, just a thousand people. Right. Do you have any, any idea of what percentage of population were actually believers? Were actually what? Believers. Well, I'm trying to figure so, out how it spread. Okay, so to give you, I don't think we know for sure or Just exactly, but I'm going to give you an estimate, all right? They say that probably by 100 AD, 100 AD, okay, so I'm, give, I'm jumping ahead, mm-hmm. okay, but by 100 AD, you probably had about five to 10,000 believers in the entire world. So you take one of our mega churches. Okay, or two of our mega churches, and you have the total number of Christians that were in 180. Just imagine what it was at the crucifixion. And then it goes like this, okay? Because then everybody's out. The book of Acts starts to talk about, the whole book of Acts is all about the initial spread. He's starting at the beginning. So the whole book of Acts is really a story of how it spread from just these couple, these few, few Jews who knew about who Jesus was, the disciples. And all someone does do, it doesn't just spread to other Jews. It's And mostly the church by 100 AD is still Jews. But then you start seeing the book of Acts, it starts to what? Break out to the Gentiles. That's what Paul's whole mission is. It's to start telling, Jesus, telling 
the Gentiles about who Jesus is. So the whole book of Acts is really the answer to your question. It's just, it starts, and it's just like this fire. Just you know, maybe 1% of the population is leaders. Yeah, I don't know percent-wise, but it starts taking off. Very few. Yeah. But at that time, the believers were Gentiles and Jews. And Jews. It started out as just Jews. A lot of right. people think all the Jews rejected Jesus. No. The early church, very early, like around 40 A.D. to, say, 70 A.D. or something, that's primarily Jews who were believers. And then when Paul comes around in the book of Acts, he starts seeing it take off among Gentiles. Why is it the uh, Israelis and most of the Jews living in Israel believe he's a prophet, not the uh, Son of God? They believe what? They believe he's a prophet, but yes. not the Son of God. No. They don't even believe he was anything. He was anything, yeah. They they most, at least I've talked to several. They yeah. said yes, he was. Most Orthodox Jews do not even know about Jesus. I'm talking about today's world. Well, they must know about it. They don't even know. A lot of Jews mm. don't. They just like, that's Christianity. And this will get at the whole subject here. The church, yeah, the Christian church, was responsible for a lot of oppression of Jews. And so we sort of created, at the very beginning of his, I mean, beginning the first couple hundred years of the Christian church, we ended up separating ourselves and actually started to pull away from the Jews, and there's a wars and a lot of stuff. We can go through all of that, but um, it's not, it's never recovered as to how Orthodox Jews feel about Christians. Um, and they have some good reason. But, Romans 9 to 11, if you get a chance, people say, what's, what's going to happen with the Jews? You read Romans 9 through 11, God has a whole plan to bring all those Jews back into faith to Him. So, is it possible that, is it possible then that the Jews then believe that when uh, Moses went to the burning bush that, that God spoke to him only because He wanted to free them, free the, the, the Jews only, and that 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 has the big separation between Christianity and, and I mean I don't know if I'd say with the Moses and the burning bush and stuff. I mean, well, I'm just Jews, saying. I mean, he's yeah. The Jews, the Jews, as we all can be, we all have this tendency to be special. <laughs> and the Jews were given a plan in Abraham, which is I'm going to God's going to bless the Jews and create a nation through Abraham, and they are supposed to be the light to the rest of the world. Well, you guys, who went, we all went through Isaiah, <laughs> all right? That did not happen. They were not the light of the world, okay? And so, you know, that's that's when Jesus came in. Well, I think here. what an obvious thing, what you brought up about the transfiguration, that during that process, when Elijah and Moses showed up, Elijah represented the prophets. Uh-huh. Moses represented the, the law. law. Right. And then they identified Jesus as their legitimate successor. Because the Father said, Because the Father said, This is my son son who I'm. And so that was like the the handing of the baton, the handing of the torch over to Jesus to continue to create this this new covenant. I often wonder why that happened. Now, you've said it so clearly. Thank you. 
And that's he's what, the one that brought it up. Yeah, that's when Glenn was talking about that transfiguration. Yeah, remember Peter and John, they, they see that. Right. And they still don't really right. fully yeah, get it. Kind of Peter still yeah. rejects Jesus three times. The, the, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Even after that. Well, experience. what I find interesting is, so John wrote this in AD, AD, AD or nine, something like that. Right, that's what it thinks. Persecution of Christians in Rome didn't end until 313 AD right. with the Edict of Milan. Right. And so we've got a, couple a good years. 200 years of this wildfire spreading <clears throat> yeah. and people being sacrificed just brutally because of their belief. I mean, think about that, guys. Think about that in this modern world. Knowing full well, if you accept Jesus Christ, you could be going to the lions tomorrow, right. or having your head cut and off. And people in the stands cheering when you're yeah. set on fire. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know if I've ever shared this, but I got saved in the catacombs of Rome. That's where I got touched by the Holy Spirit. Like Holy. literally? Literally. Wow. Okay. And I wasn't down on the first level, I was down three levels. In the Colosseum? No, no. Underneath Rome. There's... 300 miles of catacombs underneath Rome, and there's that city's been raised three or four times due to battles and floods because it's in a alluvian plain. And you can be 60, 70 feet under the ground and be looking at a palatial palace in front of you, but yet have three more, two more cities above that that have been built on top of that palatial palace. I, I broke away from a group, and I went down a corridor, and I saw these were skeletons that had never been exhumed, never been removed from the little uh, cubbies that were cut into. Mm -hmm. They stack them like, there's like about three feet, about two feet by six feet, about four or five feet deep, and they just shove bodies in there. And then you have another little cubby cut out, two feet tall, six feet wide, five feet, four or five feet deep, and they shove a bunch of bodies in there. And you have these about six, seven feet tall. So you're going down these corridors that are about three feet wide with all these bones, with all these bones on either side of you. And I didn't have a flashlight, and I broke away from the group, and I walked down there until I was in utter blackness. And I just broke down. I was like, look, if all these people believe so heavily in Jesus... Who am I to deny him? Who am I? I mean, that's where I was at. That's terrific. That's where I got touched. That was 1994. Wow. Heavily touched. I mean, I'd always loved Jesus ever since I was a little kid. But that was when Jesus went, really? look, look, don't be afraid to, to, don't deny me. Don't be afraid to accept me. Don't be afraid to espouse my Work. My work, my existence. Don't be afraid to tell people about me. Look what these people, these people gave up everything for me. And I was surrounded by thousands. I mean, you could walk for 300 miles underneath Rome and see millions, I'm talking millions of dead people that believed in Jesus. Yeah. Thank you. That's, wow. Now we, now we have your... <laughs> So yeah, yeah. Getting the mark right. of the beast. No. Yeah. All right. Any other questions? I know we're all hot. It's gonna get hot. I'm hot. 
Are you guys hot? <laughs> so hot in here. Not too bad. Any other questions in here? Um, did you ever figure out what you were going to ask? Or? Oh, yeah, yeah. You yeah. did. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> Make sure you got it. All right. Um, anybody else as far as anything in this? I love the joy part. You know? Yeah. yeah he's going to give us good. his joy. And he well, says that quite often through John. Right. And one of the things, when you guys are, as we're reading that passage, something's happening here. There's a transition that's happening. So when it says in that day, so Jesus is now talking about when he's resurrected and ascended. In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, so, so listen, right at this point, he says, at this point, until ask, now, you have asked nothing in my name. Right. Because they don't really know who he right. is yet. Yeah. All right? Asking you receive and you're full. So, at this point, they just look at Jesus as, okay, he's, he's a man, he's a prophet, whatever he is. But he's saying, now, one day, what's going to happen, the Spirit is not going to be in you. And now you're going to have this communication with the Father. And through Jesus. That's yeah. part of the teaching during the 40 days. The way? That's part of the teaching during the 40 days. That's what he was talking about. Well, this is before the 40 days even. Oh, yeah, he's telling him this before that, but that's what's going to happen after that. Is there any Bible or documentation about the 40 days? Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean... Where? Well... I mean, we'll read that. Let's just start reading Acts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Chapter 1. Because, because the Gospels end up taking you up to the resurrection. I think... I think Matthew what takes you to the ascension. But so most of the Gospels take you to the resurrection. Okay. Acts is what starts that and picks you up and very quickly within a couple of chapters takes you through those 40 days to the point where the spirit... The Pentecost is going to happen in Acts 2. So it all happens and we can read at some point. Just go home and read Acts, probably Acts 1. Mm-hmm. All right? And you'll see, I think at the beginning of... Um, so 40 days is probably he was finished teaching. Yeah. I mean, you don't have you don't have a lot of detail. All right? Um, but Acts 1 says... In particular, I was interested in him saying what the crucifixion is now. Well, okay, so if you, it, it says in Acts, I wrote, this is, you know, so remember who wrote Acts? Luke. Luke. So Luke and Acts, it doesn't show this in our Bible, Luke and Acts is one book written by Luke. We divide it up between Luke and Acts, but Luke wrote this is all one book, but you could never fit it all on one papyrus. So it ends up in divide. Why did he write that? How many years afterwards? Probably... Roughly 50, maybe 40 to 50, 60, something, 80. Okay. So he writes all of Luke of Acts. And he says, I wrote the first narrative. So this is Luke talking. He's saying, I wrote the first narrative, which is Luke. Theophilus. About all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up. Okay. Ascension. After he had given instruction through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. So, during those 40 days, part of what Jesus did was tell, talk to all the disciples, telling them everything about what he is and who he is. And what I think that's when they fully revealed all that stuff in 40 days. 
Romans 8. One, yeah. one of the first half of 8. The very beginning, it just pretty clearly talks about what what the crucifixion in fact did. Yeah, so listen, to, in fact, this is interesting. I, I, it's a great question you're asking, David, because just listen, Acts is really answering your question. So Luke says, after he had suffered, he also presented himself. So after Jesus suffered, he also presented himself alive, resurrected to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So for 40 days, that gap is how they get from these disciples in chapter 16 going, uh, okay, to who is Jesus really? So Jesus has these 40 days where he's doing this every single day, teaching them about who he is. I like the chronology is really... It's good. It's important. And John, and John, for some reason... As close as John was to Jesus, he just stopped. I mean, he didn't go into the ascension. He didn't go into the... Why? Well, I, I neither did the other Gospels. Huh? The other Gospels yeah, did not. Oh, either. Yeah, either, but I mean, They're all really just trying to tell you about the life of Jesus. Okay? So... Apparently, Luke was written as uh, he was a scribe for Peter. <clears throat> Eugene Peterson says that. Yeah. yeah, that's one thought that they thought. Okay? But, if you, go back, um, if you go back and look at documentation of history, <clears throat> no actual account of history is written the day of. Right. It always takes years and years and years. Exactly. A hundred years. They go back and interview people, and that's how they correlate and document and authenticate what they're saying. That's right. And Luke, and that's what Luke, thinks. Luke actually tells you he did that. Right. <laughs> okay. So we should... And, I love it because Luke, 60 days, 60 years, yeah, Luke says, many have undertaken to compile a narrative. This is how he opens it, saying exactly what you just said. Many have undertaken to compile a narrative about the events that have been fulfilled among us, just as the original eyewitnesses and servants of the word handed them down to us. So it seemed good to me, Luke, since I have carefully investigated everything from the very first to write to you an orderly sequence, most audible Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things about which you have been instructed. That is really like a good opening for every single book in the Bible. All right. Typical historian. That's, what that's right. And that's exactly what he did. He all the areas written and put them together. And Luke, was Luke, one, he was one of the disciples. No. No, he was not. No, he was not. So he was a, a doctor. an author. It, yeah, he was a doctor, and he was someone he who was a believed and said, I want to write this You're account. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Grief major. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right. Yes. And then we'll close. Asking that you will receive, that your joy may be full. Something I, I think is really fascinating in reading this is that we know that these guys didn't get it then, right? Yeah. Yet, yet he's still saying this, these things, right? And he's saying, I'm saying this like I'm saying it on purpose. So you will look back and get it. <laughs> That's right. And so when we're reading these things, right, we should be looking at that layering process, the way that he's basting us, you know, with sweet butter, Right? Oh, he's, he's, he's priming the pump. For example, okay, until now, you've asked, until now, at that moment, you've asked nothing of me. Ask. Not then, now. 
So now he's, telling, he's asking them to make this leap. What that's going to require for them is to believe that he is on par with the Father. Okay? So now he's saying, so, so simply the belief. This is what he's saying without actually saying it. If you believe, you will be able to receive the Spirit now if you believe. How could you not believe that you're joking? Well, a lot of people, a lot of people did. Look at our world. Yeah, but this, but this is again. This is what's funny. It's like reading a novel, right? It's not a novel, but I'm saying, like, you're half first person, second person. You have these layers, like he's talking about, where you're as the reader today being given insight as to something they didn't know about this being written about that. Just like you started your sermon. You started with a punchline and went back and got the lucky <laughs> But look, this, the, the, what he's saying here, though, is so so huge and so easy to overlook that your joy may be full. Okay, now as the reader, what does that mean? that our joy may be full. He's asking them that question. You guys should be thinking about, how will your joy be full? Getting the new Ferrari, or in their case, the new wagon with the round wheels, right? It's, it's like, what is going to make your joy full? And the only thing that is going to make your joy full is being in love with me. Yeah, I um, okay, Really fast. Yeah. Now I'll close. It, Exactly what you were saying is literally in John chapter 6, verse 40. For this is the will of him that sent me, that whosoever believeth in me shall have everlasting life. He repeats this over and over and over. If you really get that everlasting life, your joy will be full. full. So (laughs) it all connects. And I will raise him up on the last day. Yeah, that's very good. All right. Good, you guys. Wow. Good session. Yeah, a lot of good questions. Yes. All right. Well, let me um, let me pray. Father, we just thank you for this evening. Um, thank you for just this great discussion. Uh, you know, Daniel starting out saying about not being skeptics, which is what we're not, but we're coming to your word to fully understand you, to know you personally. And I thank you that tonight, among all of the guys, we all work together to know you a little bit more, that our joy may even be more and more full. I pray that for every one of us this week, Lord, that your joy in Christ will be filled up to the max. Amen. Be with us, watch over us, protect us, guide us, and give us the boldness and courage to share and speak Christ into this world. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.